Have you set a course for your life? Do you do that every day? Knowing what you want is intention. Knowing how to get there is a study in conscious action. This is a show about living consciously. It is about our choices, our hopes, our dreams, our work, our loves, our vision, and the practice of healing and becoming. Welcome to Cruising in the Light and Shadow. Hello, I am Sheila Marie, also known as Keecha. And I am Inanna Moon. Welcome. So, uh, as I've said before, one of the best things about this podcast is I get to meet your friends, you get to meet my friends, and <laughs> yes. every time I meet your friends, oh my gosh, it's like I feel like we've known each other <laughs> and each don't other. ever leave my life. I share, like you. Share a background. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we have yes. a friend of yours here today. Yes, and I would love it is my pleasure to introduce Corey roberts yeah um we work together at alexandria 2 bookstore in pasadena, in pasadena California. yes where i still am <laughs> Corey, Corey has since gone on to other adventures um but Corey, would you please tell us a little bit about your background and what you do in your interests because i think this audience is going to find you fascinating God, where to start? I am so easily bored that I've gotten into way too many things over the course of my life. <laughs> yes. um, I understand that it's a through line that a lot of the people that you bring on here have, say a, that's, it's true. Act, have an acting background. Yes. yes. See, I knew it too. I'm like, I bet. Yeah, I just had that glint in my eye, I suppose. <laughs> and I, I do have training to be a theater professor. I did a little bit of that, and that's fine. Um, I also studied something in the long the lines of performance studies which says okay well you know you're on stage you're doing this performance but performance happens all over the place yes in fact who we are in life is a performance as well and one of the things i was talking about with anana the other day is mm. how there's this through line between people who are involved in acting and spirituality because yes <laughs> Yes. And said, Sorry. And said, hmm, I believe Sheila Marie would like to talk with you about this, so go ahead. Well, the idea is that we are performing in every bit of life. You know, we wake up and we're one person, but then we interact with that first person in the day and a different persona, mm -hmm. even though it may not be very different, but it's a different persona that we wear. And who are you mm -hmm. today? No, I'm <laughs> I ask myself that same question. Every, yeah, every waking Before morning. Before coffee, every after few coffee. few hours. <laughs> <laughs> but when it comes to engaging the spirit as well, depending on what your beliefs are, there are so many different types of energies that are around you. And for each of those, you may adopt a different persona, and I'm not talking about like multiple personalities per se, but different facets of your personality come to the forefront when you're engaging different aspects mm -hmm. of spirit. And I think that the more flexible you are from whatever it is that you're doing in life, whether it be acting professionally, some other form of the arts, or just how you live your life, I think that spirit is able to engage you mm -hmm. a lot more easily, or different aspects of spirit are able to engage you. So. Being a performer, I think, is kind of perfect for spirituality. Now, I'm not saying for all those people out there that are wanting to deepen their spiritual practice that you need to go take an acting class. <laughs> although, um, might, although, although, it could be healing. Sometimes. There yeah. could be a case yeah. made for that. But <laughs> anyway, all that to say, there is some acting in the background, but I, I get into a lot of different things. You know, most recently, I'm into linguistics and language. Ooh. Um, I've always been a big fan of languages. I speak six and not all fluent you know i can get by um, some are more fluent than others what you get what you get oh right. <laughs> she's all excited yeah. so yeah i i had some time studying spanish and Yay. french and portuguese Ru russian and an african language from senegal west africa called wolof um mm. i'm actually working on a native american language right now from people that i'm, I'm descended from and the language it's an it's another piece is kind of like acting it's like you know when you're expressing yourself in the language you were born in it's a particular type of personality but a different energy a different spirit a different way of thinking about words and a different way of thinking period comes upon you when you switch into a different language oh yes. my gosh you know what you're yeah i speak spanish I, that was my first language wonderful and you're it absolutely right. Your, yes. It shifts your personality. It really does. Wow. Yes. Thank and you. Pardon yeah. my French, but I'm a total language whore. If I get the sense <laughs> that anybody speaks another language, I'm like, hey, como estas? <laughs> <laughs> Just testing the waters. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. 
Wonderful to be that. Oh my yeah. facile with yeah. <laughs> with language. Oh, yeah. it's a smorgasbord here. <laughs> <laughs> so it is indeed. I'm I'm already we're already decided you will be coming back because there's so many questions He's, on yeah. so He's many. Already topics. mentioned about yeah. thirty topics here to, <laughs> to um, look at. Senegal is interesting, but go ahead. No, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. The, okay. Um, I was remembering actually, you have been to Senegal. It's not, yeah, right, it's not I just that, that. Oh, that was an interest of yours. You actually, we you studied the there. I, yeah. I studied there um, the academic year of ninety seven, ninety eight. And what did you study? I studied so in undergrad, I made up my own major, studying dance, theater, and all the languages. Ooh. And at the time, I had been studying while studying and performing in African dance companies, and I thought, well. I want to go and learn African dance, and I want to do it in a place that doesn't have English as the colonial language. And that left basically only Senegal was the one that was available to me through a different university that was kind of like in the consortium of ones I studied at. And, you know, they didn't give credit for studying dance in Senegal because in Senegal, at the time anyway, it was like, oh, you want to study dance? Well, let's go out to a party. You dance. And dance. And, I, <laughs> and, you know, it's not like going to a party here where it's like everybody's booty shaking. No, no, no. You're going to this party. The whole community is out there. There's the seven drum ensemble, the sabar drums. Oh. And they're like, now dance. And the way they dance, it's like their feet hardly ever touch the ground. They're like, just do it like this because, you know, they always danced like that. And. It took me a little while. So you're caught up in the spirit of the culture, yeah. the people, the the. Absolutely. Now, by I that point, I'd go back to spirit because I bet it. I bet that's part of what lifts you off the ground. Well, and spirit was often associated with dance as well. By that point, I knew that there was something else spiritually going on, and I wasn't like overtly going to study spirituality or anything. But I knew that they were tied together, so I kept on saying people. I want to study dance. I want to be around dance. And they said, well, mm. you might want to go to this religious ceremony. Ooh. And so then I found myself, yes, seeing people dance, but also surrounded by people who were being possessed by spirits that were associated with their village. I saw all kinds of things going on. I had spirits appear to me. I had spirits jump into me, sit wow. on me. And I was just thinking, I'm, I'm just trying to learn a dance move. <laughs> <laughs> now, how did... <laughs> So many questions. How yes. did you deal with that? Was there someone there um, helping you understand what was going on, or did you have to process this on your own? There absolutely was not. It was a lot. Now, wow. I had a little bit of experience with this because basically there, there was a lot of spiritual capacity in my household. My that sister was my and next I, question, yeah. When we, were both, when we were young, we both channeled things through our dreams. Ooh. All right. So my sister was very tuned into the Cold War, and she would have these very apocalyptic dreams, but there was a, a realness to them. There was this tangibility to the way she described her dreams that even as a child, I knew this was more than just a dream. A dream, right. And for me, it was actually the AIDS crisis because I was coming up in their early, mid-'80s where that was really a thing. Yeah. <clears throat> in fact, my mother's best friend, unfortunately passed due to AIDS-related pneumocystis, hmm. and I was very close to her. Um, it didn't appear to me as AIDS. I didn't understand the virus, you know, and what was going on scientifically at the time. I was a little bit too young to be clued mm -hmm. into that, but how it appeared to me was through what spiritual training I had, which was in Christianity. So it kept on appearing to me, and like it, it was like Dune, it was or Mad Max. It was post-apocalyptic desert and people kept on coming up to me and they were lepers so oh. it appeared through leprosy and they kept on coming to me and for that's help. how you experienced it and that's okay. how i experienced it right. but um i had shut all that down for the reasons that many of us kind of shut down yeah. childhood, sanity you know, you, well <laughs> and, and not an understanding and lack of, and lack of yeah. safety in the home as well you know i don't know how many of us grow up in ideal and functional families, no, yeah. no, but I was not one of those. <laughs> yeah. So it kind of shut down in order to just get by. But once I right. got to college, things started happening, and get, that was my first semester. I was 17 years old. I saw the wall open up. I had a being kind of sitting there and looking at me and communicating to me telepathically, oh, yes. and I had about lost my mm. mind. Yes. Can I ask? Um, where did you ever tell your your family? other than your sister that you were uh experiencing these things when you were young no no they would no. have they and, would they would have in fact i stopped um experiencing them at six because of the way I, I chose to engage my family um 
in order to get by the sensitive soul that I was, I had to either acknowledge the truth and go to war early on because mm. truth has always been a very, very important thing to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or I had to deal with what was given to me and kind of shut down, and I chose the latter. I mean, I was six. You know? I, was, I did I would the same ag- thing. I would agree, I too, at about six was when, um, yeah, in, my, in my dysfunctional family, that it's, I seemed to be so open to so many things. Also, there was a sense of taking care of mm-hmm. my, um, I've talked about it before, actually, my father in particular. It seemed like he needed so much care that... Yes. Um, it, it isn't about a child always being allowed to be themselves, but having to be there for the family. And at about six, it seems, is when we start to reach out and realize we have a role here. Talk, talk about roles. Right. Um, mm-hmm. We have a role here. And so you, I remember that, too, leaving off what was going on in my internal world and then later on picking it up. So for you, it was, it was what about It was age? exactly that. It was, yeah. it was six years old. Um, okay. and, and for me, it was being um, notified that there was some truth about my parents that were unacceptable to my moral system. And oh, yeah. this is one of the areas where I needed to know that past lives existed because the morality that I had since childhood I must have been a religious figure because it was really high on the horse. Like, where's this little kid getting off? Wagging his finger with a Bible in hand. Like, what are you people doing? (laughs) All but wearing robes, right? (laughs) Exactly, actually. And I I would uh, wrap sheets around me as well. Oh, goodness, so did I. Exactly, exactly. Oh, my gosh. So did Mm I. (laughs) My mother I always used to say, say get that blanket off of you. Yeah. And I'd be like, what blanket? But what do you mean? Yeah, yeah, you I'm know? a superhero. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, for those who can't see, I'm wearing the Marvel Super Comics uh, shirt with T-shirt, all the superheroes yes, uh, superheroes on it. Rest in peace, oh, Stan Lee. Yes. In yeah. honor of Stan. And, yes, yeah. and Paul, our engineer, is wearing Avenger shirt. Avenger so shirt. look at yes. that. Right on. And actually, I had mentioned earlier uh, that I... When actually this was before the show that when I was a kid I used to always think that I was a superhero I would mm-hmm. daydream and dream that I was yes. uh, what was his name the Human Torch <laughs> I would see myself flying around shooting fire in the living room not getting things on fire this is California not that I, <laughs> not that I grew up here but, oh. but um, then I grew up and I realized I am a superhero it just looks different than what I thought I, yeah. think, I think we're probably all superheroes <laughs> if we just tune in enough and I did catch my living room on fire once but it went out really quick <laughs> <laughs> me too me too Oh, this is weird. Okay. I was wearing I was wearing um, one of my mother's dressing gowns, being a spiritual being, going around lighting candles, and the taper was getting hot, and so I so I got a Kleenex and I was holding the taper oh. with that, and then that caught on fire, and that was about to burn my hand, and I threw it on the ground on my mother's brand new white carpeting, and. <laughs> Luckily, she was there, and I was like, no. And is it pyromania, or is it lighting no. the spiritual it was, fire? Ooh. <laughs> it was only the one time. All right. <laughs> so, Go ahead, please. Um, yeah. yeah, you were mentioning about caretaking. There was definitely caretaking. Yes. My sister and I always say, well, you know, you cook for them, you clean for them, you try to guide them in the right direction, but you never know how your parents are going to turn out. <laughs> <laughs> I and love so that. I think there's something to be said for dysfunction, for Mm -hmm. the caretaking role that is kind of foisted upon you. It's regrettable in some ways as Mm -hmm. far as the development of one's psyche along what should be normal lines. I'm putting that in quotes. But there's something to be said for how that may prepare you for a relationship Mm -hmm. with spirit as well. There are gifts from the garbage. Absolutely. Because, Mm. you know, working with spirit and spirits, depending on how you're doing it, (laughs) there is a a custodial piece to that as well. And there is a certain level of maturity that that needs to be um, embraced when you're doing mm-hmm. that type of work. If you're it may put into need a, to come in early, yeah. Not, it doesn't for all people, but yeah, if you're put into to, that yeah. role of custodian or caretaker as a child, then you are familiar with the responsibility early on. Now, there are plenty of spiritual practitioners out there who may not be as ethical and custodial in the work that they do. But I think it would be maybe ideal, and I'm not trying to say, oh, I'm the best at this because this is how I approach it, but I think it would be ideal to look at a relationship with spirit as a custodial one. Mm-hmm. Not that you are taking care of everyone, but that everyone is doing their part to take good care in the exchange of spiritual energies. I, that It feels that way 
to me that um, of the spirit guides that have come in through the years and when I finally accepted that this was the road and this was what was going on, that um, I would say thank you. So I'd, be, I'd have such gratitude for spirit for being there and for showing me the way or teaching me things. And I would say, you know, what do I have to offer you? And the feeling has come back many times. You offer so much and that there is a give and take between you and your guides is like any loving relationship where there's going to be a give and take. So I agree wholeheartedly. I've always loved working with Anana in the past because she has such a, a goddess energy about her and yes. such a, a gracious <laughs> energy about how she works with spirit. And I would love to say that personality can come into play as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I, it is well known among people who know me that I, I have a lot of personality. Like <laughs> sometimes so much, I'm like, can we squelch this? No, we just can't. Please no. I have, <laughs> you say that. I imagine spirit <laughs> paves the way for <laughs> the well, expansion. And I, I, of your I have a very cantankerous um, relationship with my well, with anybody, but <laughs> with my guides as well. I mm. have laid my guides out. They have laid me out, mm. and and we can laugh about it at the end of the day. Here's how Just we like are different, life. and I wanted Corey to come on a lot for this because his take on working with guides is is somewhat different than mine, but I love this part of it. It's not always an easy relationship. Like any relationship. There are arguments, would you say, then? Interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I remember one day I was at um, a good friend's, and they, they, the family stuck me in the room that's the most haunted. I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> On oh. purpose, just to see what you were going to... No, that was the room that was available, and for kicks and giggles, <laughs> they were like, how's this going to go? Oh. And I, and I told them, I'm like, I'm going to win. <laughs> if it comes down to it, I'm going to win. So in the middle of the night, unfortunately, I felt a negative energy that that was attacking me. And so I woke up and I did what I needed to do. I called in what I need to call and got rid of it. What do you mean by that? Because we, we also make uh, sure people yeah. who, who may not know about this, you called sure. in guidance so or? i probably called in archangel michael all right yes who we i like lovingly him. call the archangel of whoop ass yeah Ooh. you know um yeah. and you know sometimes you can you can dispel with negative energies with your own energy it just mm -hmm. it depends on what level of being you're dealing with when i was a child i used to play role-playing games dungeons and dragons and i'd watch all these cartoons and everything and i don't think i ever disbelieved anything I never saw any reason that something could not exist. And I think that that served me very well when I grew up. And what I've come to understand in doing spiritual work over the years is that if it can be imagined, in some way, shape, or form, it probably exists. It's probably exists. true. Who's yes, it probably exists. Yeah, yeah. there's like... That's true. Who, I want to say Steve Jobs said that or somebody else said that. Yeah, I totally believe that. Yeah, yeah I really should work that to my benefit like Steve Jobs. But, you know. <laughs> um, it's, you in, it's in Shakespeare. It's in Conan Doyle also. Okay. Sure. Yeah, so Steve Jobs is just really derivative. <laughs> <laughs> I just went straight for the modern. Not at all. But so. it was interesting. So I, I, I dispelled with this energy and then I saw an angel and I could recognize it by the way the lights were swirling in the corner. Mm. And you would think that I'd mm. be like, oh, that's wonderful. An angel has come in. And I and I turned and I said, hey, you with the light show, I'm trying to get some rest here. You're going to need to tone it down. <laughs> <laughs> but Woo. the thing is, and some people are like, wow, Corey, that's a really specific way of speaking with spirit. And I'm like, the thing is, the spirits that are working closely with me, they know who I am. Yeah. They right. know who I come from because I come from a long line of trash talkers. I love it. <laughs> Why should I be any different? Exactly. You know? And if if. I were to tone it down and to be kind of love and light all the time, which, you know, there are moments for that, definitely. But my love and light comes with, a you know, that kind of uh, backhanded smack sometimes. Like, mm -hmm. let's love and light you onto the right path. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so if I were to alter the way I, you know, maneuver in the world to be just kind of all sweet and love and light, my guides would know that the gig is up. Hey, <laughs> that's not you. D be real. We're being real with you. So be real okay. with us. So. You know, yes, it would be ideal to be as loving as you possibly can, but it doesn't have to look all the same. It doesn't have to be everybody holding hands and singing Kumbaya. <laughs> it looks like whatever it looks oh. like in you because you are a, a very specific manifestation of the divine. And other divine entities are going to come and work with you based on based the specificity on of who you are. Yes. 
So it, it was fine that I kind of gave the, the angel the what for. I'm sure it got over it. You know? <laughs> what I do know is that it toned it down and I slept well that night. I won. <laughs> it, th- so that was an angel that was in the room, but haunting the room? I mean, basically no, leaving or leaving a It was probably a supportive All right. um, energy. I don't know exactly why it came in. I probably could have I'm asked waiting it. Waiting for you, maybe. <laughs> it could have been, could have been a yeah. new guy trying to come yeah. in, which means yeah. it probably made an appearance later. Um, But I had mentioned earlier, you know, I'd seen the wall open up. All these kinds of things happened in in my first year of school. And then I went off and studied in Brazil. And all these spirits of this religion started appearing to me. And I tried to go to um, religious events for this religion called Umbanda. Mm -hmm. I was actually teaching English at the time. And I had uh, a lot of students who were members of this and other Afro-Brazilian religions. And as much as I would try to get out to them, I could just never get there. There was floods or there would be strikes and and the buses were down. I just could never get there. But I had read up on the spirits and the spirits started appearing to me. And it was a little freaky, but that was... All, did you do a ritual oh, of I some was, kind, or I, how did you? How did they appear 19. to you? You I were just 19. open. And, there was no no okay, ritual, no, no nothing. Open I and was, ready for it. Okay. I'm like, did I drink too much Brazilian rum that <laughs> night? I'm, I'm seeing stuff, you know. And so all that had started happening, but I knew there was something to it, and that was all I had with me when I started experiencing a lot of things in Africa. Um, and was Brazil before yeah, it was, Senegal? I had three months between okay. them, and Brazil right. was a semester. Senegal was about 10 months. Wow, world so traveler. The yeah. spirit, you're dancing in Senegal. Spirit's going, we recognize you. And Well, so I was heading out to a an international cultural event held at this kind of, it, it's not even a suburb. It's like a small village within the capital, Dakar. It was called Yof. And the ethnic group of the people, they were the Lebu, which was a sub-ethnic group of the main one, the Wolof, which is the language that I kind of speak. And they're, they're actually my kind of people because if they were, if you were to say in Wolof, hello, how you doing? Mm-hmm. The Lebu have kind of just a rough way of, of speaking. In, in Wolof, they say, Lebu Duffa Digger, which means the, the Lebu are rough. So it'd be more like, how the hell are you doing? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just kind of how it is. <laughs> Thank and, you for that Very New Yorker. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah, that's really how I roll. So. Yeah. But they um, experience, well, practice this very, very interesting religion called Ndup. Is it a is it a religion? It's more like a ceremony, but they have like historically had all these spirits associated with them, a whole pantheon of deities. And when Islam descended from North Africa in the 1500s, I believe, or maybe 15th century, I'm not the best historian. Um, it came down, and much like Christianity, it said, "Oh, you're going to convert, or we're going to kill you." Yeah. Choices. The, yeah, yeah I was right. just going to say yeah, that. choices. <laughs> the Lebu were very crafty. They said, "Oh, we're going to convert, and our <laughs> spirits are going to convert too." Now they're Muslim, and they do all and they're this. with us. <laughs> yeah, and these spirits, these deities were known for coming down and possessing people, and they'll have these ceremonies where the spirits are coming down, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is a Muslim ceremony. Now, you talk with some Muslims in Egypt, and they would be like, uh, what? I don't know about mm, all that, gosh. but Interesting. the laymen were very firm in that. So. Um, they didn't have a full ndup, which is actually a, an exorcism. Yeet. Yeah, that let's is. talk about yeah. But I'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she gets really excited. She's like, oh, goody. I grew up Catholic, <laughs> so. Of course. Uh, what I have to say about that is I always found it really interesting, in if you were to follow Hollywood, that the battle between good and evil always had to involve a Catholic priest and a demon. I'm like, well, okay. You know, it's it's kind of but interesting. There are, others. Yeah. <laughs> there are other demons out there. Gosh. You know, there are other religions out there that deal with this stuff. Yeah. And it's not necessarily all demons when mm-hmm. we talk about possession mm-hmm. either. Mm-hmm. But um, Of course not. No, yeah. it could be right. any number of things. Yeah. But mm-hmm. don't get scared out there, folks. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> but they decided to do a ceremony, kind of a, a blessing for the community. Now, at the time, I was studying modern dance, and another student, she also was a modern dancer, so they asked us to perform. And we had set that intention. We were doing some duet stuff, which was fine. Um, but understand, at the time in Senegal, people did not touch, men and women did not touch dancing unless they were doing Latin dancing. Uh-huh. So to see two people dancing with drums in the background and me like lifting her high in the air and walking around with her and doing all this stuff, they were like, this is some serious scandal right here. But It's hot. Shocking. Yeah. Shocking. Now, I, this took place over the course of a couple of days, and I was not staying in the village. I was staying in another part of the city. 
one night I was just kind of sleeping on a foam mat at my friend's place and I had a dream that I was in Yof and I saw all the Lebu around and they're very tall, very elegant, dark-skinned people. And then I saw this very short, squat woman and she was looking at me from like hundreds of feet away. And what was really interesting was that she had the body of somebody from Cape Verde that I had, I had just gotten back from Cape Verde where mm-hmm. I went to experience the carnival, some islands off the coast of West Africa. And I loved it there, I didn't want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw this squat person that looked like a Cape Verdean. And then I looked at her face and it was the face of the head priestess, uh, uh, Yolf priestess, or Lebu priestess, excuse me, in the village of Yolf. So it was like, take somebody's face and put it on this different body. And put it on, yes. And she looked at me, and I couldn't move. And then she started walking towards me. This isn't a dream, and and she's walking and walking and walking, and she doesn't stop when she gets to me. She walks right into me. Whoa. And I wake up that next morning, and I had this amazing egg on my head. Apparently, when she walked into me, I took and slammed my head (gasps) into the corner of where the wall met the floor. And so I get back to the village the next day, and this is the day that I'm going to perform. And um, I told, uh, kind of like the tour guide, I was like, yeah, I had this dream, and this body, this face hit my head. And, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's Mam Jare. Mam Jare is the head protectress of uh, this oh. village of Yolf. Mam Jare. Mam Jare. I love that. And actually, it's really beautiful when you're there. You can see there's an island off the coast of, of uh, Yolf, and that's the island where Mam Jare lives. Hmm. So there is liter- uh, f- literally physical evidence that she was there because you had that. You see that that's noggin, amazing. That's right. Well, and what's more is he said, oh, and why I also know that this is Mam Jare is that she often appears with the face of the uh, head priestess of the village. Which may actually would make sense to yeah. me. Yeah. And furthermore, she Comfortable often, there too, I'm well, sure. Yeah, and what also uh, makes sense is that she appears to you often in a form that is very comforting to you and I had just gotten oh. back from Cape Verde and did not want to leave oh. so all that mix it up and you got she yourself a recipe right. so I performed it went well and then they did a ceremony to benefit the community which it involved the sacrifice of chickens um, we had to mm-hmm. say a, a wish for ourselves mm-hmm. or, uh, after saying a wish for the community speak them into a mouth of a chicken spit in the chicken's mouth and then they sacrificed the chicken. Wow. And when they did that for me, because there were other foreigners there, they had all the foreigners mm-hmm. do that. You know, chickens don't die right away after you cut their heads off. Or right. They, they, the they body. do, but they don't stop moving. Right. Mine <laughs> ran around for three minutes without a head. Wow. And they said, you have a lot of energy on you. I was like, okay, whatever. Um, a friend of mine that was there. Was this an, I'm, I'm, maybe I'm not understanding, was this um, an honor to you or to help you in some way? Was, this was kind of for everybody. For, so everybody, we're for the community. A, we're saying yes. a wish for the yeah. community. Right. And so right. I, I probably said something along the lines of, I hope that this, this ecotourism, because it's an eco-village, um, mm. that this ecotourism really takes off. And I, I don't know what I wish for for myself. Had a chat with the chicken. All right. <laughs> poor poor okay. guy. Um, and and that's how that started. Well, I was there with a, uh, a friend who was, I wonder where she is now. Her name was Colette. She was doing research on um, transpossession in Islam. And she was on a Whoa. fellowship. She was doing yes. it. Oh. She started in Amsterdam and was working her way down through Africa. And she actually um, was from New Orleans and grew up in a, a, a household that practiced Vudan. And awesome. she was. Because I'm sitting here wondering how she was comfortable with that. So now I understand. <laughs> she was very nervous, and so was I. Because right. uh, we knew that what was going to happen next was a ceremony where a spirit could come down. Right. And I never experienced this before, but I've always been fascinated by the idea of possession. And somewhere I knew that I could be prone to it. She, having grown up in a Vudan household, knew that that kind of thing could happen. And we had heard that it would not be the first time that it happened to foreigners before. Well, that would make sense. Yeah. You're more open? I guess so. I didn't even know I was open. Or not aware of how to protect Yeah, exactly. You know, how to I, would, I would often call it protection, yeah. but it can also be just not knowing how it all works so more susceptible. And tired, probably. I should, I should have brought my photographs to show you. I'll have to show you guys sometime. But um, the, the another s- reason to have him back. Yes. <laughs> the ceremony started with all the priestesses of the village walking around the sacred tree, 
And, you know, in, in Senegal, at least at the time, people wore these grand boo-boos that are like just big robes, robes. and there are layers to them. You're not showing your body very mm-hmm. much. And I say this for a reason in a minute. Mm. Um, then the drummers came out. And the thing with, with this culture is that the specific spirits are associated with specific rhythms. And so that makes sense. Correspondences. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. We were just talking about that. And so they um, started playing a particular rhythm, and all of a sudden, three women started screaming. Now, they, they, they were not in possession. Actually, what happened was they recognized the rhythm, and they knew that it was a spirit that was very t- closely associated with them, and they did not. I repeat, did not want to fall under the influence of the spirit. Of that spirit? Not that the spirit, there was anything wrong with the spirit. It was a warrior spirit of the ocean, and that's all well and good. It's just, it can be an exhausting process. I was going to say, it's probably intense, a warrior. To undergo the experience of possession, period. Yeah. Even if it's a gentle one, because you're not fully you in that time, Mm -hmm. and that's a a different experience. And you're you're probably fighting within yourself, right? I mean, at least that's what we... It depends. Some people people are more inclined. you're holding ground. You're holding space and holding ground or, so, or your space is being held is being held yeah. <laughs> and that was more that was more the feel mm. of this culture I, I later went on mm-hmm. to study spirit possession in different contexts and there was a different approach to it um, but here these three women got up and started running they actually took their fingers and started muffling the sound and screaming because they were trying to alter the rhythm so as to not be affected by the spirit two of them got away one did this thing that I had never seen before or since she stopped once she got outside of the circle of everyone sitting and she was pulled back in. Now, she moved at a, at a relatively decent clip, but her feet didn't touch the ground as often as they probably should have. It, it was like something was pulling oh, her and every now whoa. and then a foot would touch the ground. It was almost like a levitation or something like that. And Ooh. I was like, wow, that's impressive. And in the meantime, my friend and I are like, please don't get us, please don't get us. <laughs> That would have been me. <laughs> Not ready yet. One of the priestesses wearing her grand boo-boo, you mm-hmm. know, several layers, mm-hmm. she was taken by the spirit. And so I have these pictures of this woman just walking around normally and then uh, another picture where her eyes are just really big. And then another picture where, actually, I don't know if I have the picture, but because um, it would have been kind of inappropriate to take it, but she had stripped her grand boo-boo off. She was in her bra and underwear before they removed her from spirit because then it would have just been a little bit much. Mm-hmm. About three or four uh, young ladies kind of fell under the influence of the spirit, and they were in front of the drums and swimming with their faces down in the sand because it was this warrior spirit of the ocean. They were rowing in the sand. They were dancing and they were fighting each other because it was a warrior spirit. There was a a woman that was sitting atop a stoop of three steps, and she was cool. I mean, this wasn't my spirit. Well, all of a sudden, she had a moment, and I saw her hurl herself down. It's only three steps, but there was a little three-year-old child at the bottom of the steps, and she was out. So that kid got kicked in the face and had a little bit of a a shiner from that. Um, And she was rolling around in the sand with her arms behind her back as if she was tied up like a slave. And Senegal was one of the major ports for the transatlantic slave trade. And I'm like, I'm seeing something else going on here. This is kind of amazing. Mm -hmm. Well, her daughter was horrified to see her like this. And so Mm. she started trying to grab her mom and get her out of there. But this is an affair of spirit, and this is not something for humans to intervene with. So one of the priestesses, who had to be in her 70s, this little old lady, and I have this picture of her. She just looks very sweet. (laughs) She was Lebu, and she was under the influence of spirit. And so she was like, you get the bleep out of here. You can't mess with the influence of spirit. Bleep, 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 you know. So she was, they were about to fight, and neither of them were possessed, but everybody was feeling the, the energy, the spirit. Um, and and the people stayed in possession until a head priest came and took them out. It was amazing to watch. And when they came out of trance, they went and were put in a bed for three, four hours. They were out. They were out. Oh, I bed. bet. Oh, yeah. I'm, I have what, spiritual what is, hangover after what ritual. Is your, what is your take from that? It sounds to me like the spirit was um, telling stories, was showing, showing um, how to, well, one, how to worship, um, the sacredness of that spirit um, clearly told a slave story. Um, you know, that's interesting. Stories I never, of the land, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought about it particularly like that. I think a fair amount of it 
is the spirit gets its chance to play. And by play, I don't mean play with people, but to... Not play with people. All no, right. but, to, right. but to manifest in the physical. Into the physical. All um, right. And all so right. there is this... I would say sacred contract. Like I get my, I get my I footing, get some space here. my <laughs> tangibility on earth, and I bless you in in response. In mm. um, and maybe stories are told in there. Mm. Now I read into the story of what I saw there. Mm-hmm. I don't think mm-hmm. that anybody else would have necessarily seen right. that, but perhaps there could have been several stories being told. Yeah, I love that's, I love that idea that they that they're there to tell you a story. Well, they're they're clearly there to do a whole lot of things. Yes. Oh my goodness, <laughs> they're multitaskers. And how do how yeah. do <laughs> what what do you know of and for yourself coming out of it at the end uh, not just that one but you've had experiences coming out of it what what is left to you or given to you so i'm going to uh, defer to uh, that religion that i had mentioned in brazil called umbanda that umbanda. i went yeah i went later on to research it so you know i was talking about performance studies you know performance in a in a larger context than just the theater so I went on to do my graduate research on Afro-Brazilian spirit possession as performance. And so I used the language of the theater to describe the, the yeah. event of possession because ever since I was a child, I always found possession interesting, you know. I get <laughs> To re- say the least. <laughs> I, I grew up in a bunch of different types of churches and I found them all relatively boring, but I always sat up with when the Pentecostals were speaking in tongues. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, so, yes. I'm like eight, yeah. nine years old, like this mess is interesting right here, you know. <laughs> Um, Did you ever get to speak in tongues? Oh, no, I was never inclined. I have way too much of an ego to let spirit in. (laughs) Once or twice, things have happened where spirit has come and spoken like really strongly through me in a way that I couldn't deny. So I was using the language of the theater to describe the event of spirit possession. Um, And in this religion, um, you had several different classes of spirits, starting at the top with the African gods and goddesses of the Yoruba tradition from Nigeria. But underneath that, you would have different um, characters or classes of spirits that were present in the colonial history of Brazil. It was, I, I find it actually a beautiful historical religion because it, it talks about the history of the colony and the religion. And it's an interesting reverse racial hierarchy. It's like the closer to Africa you are, the higher up you the are higher, in the hierarchy. Right. So right beneath them, you had like two different classes of spirits. One was the pretos velhos, which in, in Portuguese means the, the old black people. And it was kind of like the the first generation African slaves right. in the Brazilian colony. Ancestor, slave ancestors. Yes. All right. And then uh, on the same level pretty much as the caboclos, which were the first generation of Native Americans that, that experienced the colony, that engaged mm. with the colony. And then you would go down different classes, and we have a – a mermaid doll sitting here. <laughs> Generally, Thank you, my friend Tina. Right? Hello, Tina. <laughs> Generally, they were uh, different human figures, um, like down to the lowest class. The Eshus were the former pimps, prostitutes, and yes. corrupt politicians of the Brazilian colony, and from from around the world as well. But then sometimes things would get really esoteric. So you had the Mermeas, which were the mermaids, and you had the Crianças, which were children. But they were actually really elevated spirits that came in in very childlike presences. Possibly what we would call cherubs. Perhaps, I mean, perhaps, but okay. but um, I don't know if there'll be time for it. But I, I'll have to tell you about the time that I saw a, a criança come through. It was like acting like a big baby, and it, it just <laughs> it kept on saying, "Eu quero." Oh, it was like, "All right." It was like, okay. "Eu quero mel, eu gosto de mel." It's like, "I want honey. I like honey." So acting like a big baby, <laughs> like a but big child. very okay. much an elevated right. spirit. Okay. And so these spirits were given certain days that they would come through yeah. and manifest specific hmm. days for specific spirits, and each class had its own job. Now, what they were to do is to come in and and possess um, a member of the spiritual community that's trained for this. Okay, good. And give readings um, to members of the at-large spiritual community that come and pay a nominal fee to get advice on their lives. Um, But when they were manifesting through the body of an umbandista or umbanda practitioner, they're speaking a colonial form of Portuguese. Portuguese from 1500, 1600 in Brazil. So actually, they needed to have a kombono, which is a helper, because the helper would translate from Portuguese (laughs) to Portuguese. And what I always found interesting was I always understood the colonial Portuguese. And trust (laughs) you me, I never learned that in school. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but they also would aid the spirit because the spirit, when it came into body, it had its needs. And different classes had different things. So if you were dealing with a Bayanu, which was somebody from the former capital in Bahia, they wanted to drink coconut water um, and they wanted to smoke cigars. Yeah. If you had a boyadero, which was a cowboy, they wanted to smoke cigarettes and drink malt liquor. And so the helper, because <laughs> <laughs> like you do. Yeah. Uh, Bring us our favorite things, please. Uh, these are a few of my favorite <laughs> things. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, there's a theater background. Um, <laughs> can't help it. Um, so, you know, these spirits would come down and they would serve the purpose of giving um, information that they have access to, access to on the spiritual level to mm-hmm. the community member who really needs help with their mundane life. But in doing so, that spirit gains some karma points. Not that they have a point system, but, you know, just <laughs> informally. Kind of in the universe. Though, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And in, the, and in the mini Balancing universe. Balancing out eventually. <laughs> right. And in the mini universe of Umbanda as well, there is kind of a, a keeping tally. Mm. So oh, okay. those spirits would get a take up and maybe, I don't know, maybe they'd move up to another class. Maybe they would get closer to transcending because all these classes were underneath the auspices or aegis of one of the gods or all the right. other. Mm. But in this particular religion, as opposed to other ones that have its roots in the Yoruba tradition of, mm-hmm. of Nigeria, the gods are not going to come down through a person. They're just way too on high. Right. But by doing this work, the various classes of spirits can get closer to the gods. Ah. And then the helpers oh, and the humans that are being possessed are also improving their karma yes. by serving as, well, it, by being in service to the spirit. The person getting possessed, they're called the um, kavalu, the horse. In a lot of different traditions, you'll hear the people being possessed referred to as yeah. mounts or the horses. The horses. They're, yeah. they're, doing the, they're doing a lot of the work. Now, there were different levels of possession. They could be fully possessed, which means kind of like in Senegal, they're out mm-hmm. and then they wake up like, what happened? What happened, yes. Yeah, or right. they could be half possessed Full where trance. they were kind yeah. of aware of what was going on but had no real agency in it. Uh, and they did they did all kinds of training to achieve that, and you know they would test them like sometimes burning a cigar on their hand, like oh you feel that you feel that exactly. But it was just it was amazing to watch. So there was all kinds of benefit, and what I did academically was okay. Well, let me see who's the spectator, mm-hmm. who's the performer. How's this mm-hmm. energy going? Because when you have like uh, a traditional play on a proscenium. Uh, stage, mm-hmm. you know, you have the stage up here and you have the people sitting down there and you see the energy going back and forth. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. this was like energy was heading in every direction at, at every moment in time. So it was kind of fascinating to watch. My ha- God. Did you now, do you remember if your energy level when you were watching all this was it? Well, a pie or? Yeah, it was definitely elevated because before even the the spirits were, were coming down, um, we were doing rituals to start these rituals were very catholic because in a process of syncretism which is blending of religions and particularly religions that are like european or more predominant with more indigenous religions um, the brazilians were able to the brazilian slaves were able to practice their versions of their original religions by by hiding uh, behind Catholicism. So mm-hmm. they were not allowed lot, yeah. to worship Oshun, but they could sure do a, a ritual to Santa Barbara, St. Barbara, mm-hmm. who shared a lot of uh, characteristics with Oshun. With and they would Oshun. say to the, the slave owners, oh, well, we're doing this for, for Santa Barbara. And they're like, oh, okay, that's great. And they're really doing it for Oshun. <laughs> so the whole congregation was saying um, Hail Marys and mm-hmm. and uh, the, mm-hmm. Our Father, who art in heaven, and I probably... I probably could still pull that out in Portuguese from doing all that. Um, but they were doing that, and it was elevating the level. And there was music, and I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was a mm-hmm. it was an absolute like cornucopia of spiritual energy. So yeah, you're definitely feeling it. So that vibration, vibration mm. is rising. It's kind of like in the spiritualist tradition yeah. where they where they sing songs to uh, yes, raise the order. level of spirit, yes. and then to the possession. Spirit, right. And they might not use the word possession, but then then the no. the trance but. would. Yeah. Whatever they would call Tra- it. Yeah. <laughs> so you, what, j- every time we talk about possession, it isn't necessarily a negative thing. It's not like that movie. People who don't, <laughs> who don't, many movies who yeah. don't want the spirit within them, they do. They, oh yeah. They want to welcome it. Uh, yeah, they're everyone's working okay. together. Yes. Um, and uh, again, it, in that religion, Powerful. it was so fascinating to watch how a person's total affect would change 
I think I was telling mm-hmm. you the other day, I'd love to share this story again. Yeah. Yes. Um, I went here. I went. Oh, this was beautiful. Uh, yeah. Yes. This was like one of my, my, my favorite experiences of spirit. I went to one religious center where I had been doing a little bit of work and I asked the head priest and priestess, could I, um, could I record some of what's going on? Can I take some notes? And they said, yeah, you want to work with, I think his name might have been Edson. Edson, he, he has a history of working with sociologists and anthropologists who come in from universities. I said, that's great. And so I let the, the kambonu, the helper, know what was going to happen. And I let Edson know as well. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. And so it was, it was time for the possession to happen, and he had a kaboklu, a, an indigenous spirit, come down. And the kaboklus, bear in mind that historically, this was their first generation of having access to the Brazilian colony. So they weren't that great at Portuguese, and they had very kind of stereotypically indigenous reserved and, may, and perhaps gruff ways about them. They were known for being kind of rough on the people that they were working with. And I thought, oh, that works well. Fine for me. <laughs> <laughs> and so this spirit came through, and I, I was ushered to him. And unlike most people who go to these centers who are like, oh, well, my husband, my wife, my money, you know. Uh-huh. Even if I had not had my intuitive ways and had access to that on my own, I had been doing so much research, I had asked all the questions I could possibly ask. So I probably asked one or two questions just to make it seem like I really cared about what was going on with my money. <laughs> and then I got into the other questions, which was asking this spirit about his own life when he was alive. Right. Oh, how fun. Yeah. And it took him by surprise, but he did his best to field those questions. And mm-hmm. then at the end of it all, I asked him, I said, a gente pode tirar um foto? I said, can we, can we take a photo? Yes. Uh, and he, he said, well... Did you ask the head priestess? And I said, yes, senor. He said, did you ask the head priest? Oh, absolutely, senor. And then he turned and his eyes were kind of, you know, hazy because he was in trance. And he turned to the cambono and she said, oh, it's going to be fine, senor. He said, okay, we can do this. And then he said, can you tell me what a photo is? <laughs> How adorable. Yeah. It was, and actually, he had been gentle with me the whole time. And everyone was like, he was much more gentle with you than he is with everybody else. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and so I said, it's an image of you, senor. And so we had somebody take a photo at that time. It was like in 2003. It was a digital camera. No iPhones back then. <laughs> uh, and so they took the photo and I pulled it up and I showed him the photograph. And he said, oh, aren't you a handsome, handsome fellow? I said, oh, thank you, senor. And then he said, well, who's that? Because bear in mind that that spirit's yeah. consciousness of what it looked like however many hundred years ago was not of Edson. Would not no, there. that's right. Yes. They wouldn't. Nothing right. gets you, Edson. Right. You're a perfectly, per- perfectly handsome fellow. Right. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and then I, I said, that's you, senor. And it was just. You know, this um. this old, old ancient spirit even with such wisdom, uh, almost childlike. Aww. It was so endearing. It, like, I get verklempt every time I think about oh, it. Just got happy oh, chills. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen the sort of trance channeling that changes faces, alters the whole physical presence, um, and quite possibly of whoever was, um, how their lives were. Mm-hmm. Um, have you seen that as well? You know, it's a blending of consciousnesses. And as we were mentioning before, it's not always something that's divine and on high that comes through. Not to say that that, um, spirits that pass to the other side are low, but relatively speaking, it's not the same kind of thing as having an angel or something Mm. uh, come through Mm -hmm. you. Mm -hmm. And so if you're dealing with something that was either very, very attached to the conditions surrounding the end of its life or not that far out from the end of its life, like, for instance, earthbounds, you mm-hmm. know, a type, of, mm-hmm. a type of spirit that's stuck yes. in a place, the ones that you see the ghost hunters going after for going a long after, time, right. they might be more inclined to the physical issues uh, or even just the physicality that they had in life. You have a blending of the spirit with the, the cavallo, the horse, or the mount mm-hmm. that is working with it, and that could take on a very physical aspect. And it also depends on the person who is, is bringing the spirit through. I'm a person, you know, I'm an earth sign, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm very inclined to work things through in my body. And so mm. if I were to get possessed, I wouldn't be surprised if my physical affect would really, really adopt Altered. that of, okay. the, of the spirit that was coming through. If that spirit, in fact, were something that, w- that was carrying a history of its own physicality with it as well. If that answers your question. It does. Yes. No, completely. Well, 
You're definitely coming back. <laughs> no, I, I well, mean, we didn't even get to. Yeah. <laughs> but I see you have one. a book open. Oh, so that. Oh, we wanted to talk a little bit yeah. about astrology. And I had asked about um, retrogrades. and. Yeah, so um, I've been an astrologer, practicing astrologer since uh, 2002, maybe. Um, and that was one of the things I used to do when we worked together at Alexandria. Um, and it's interesting. People are like, oh, well. Such and such is retrograde. When is it retrograde, Corey? And I say, well, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm a Capricorn, which means I'm very practical and even transactional. I'm like, I'll tell you everything that's going on in the skies if you ask me or pay me. You know, one or the other, I'll help. <laughs> but otherwise, I'm just trying to live life. And so right. I'm, I'm, I knew that Mercury was going to be retrograde. Venus is probably retrograde. And you had mentioned Saturn and some of the outer Saturn planets. Saturn took a couple of years there. I, kn- I know yeah. some of them are very long-term in retrograde. But sure. this summer... There were six planets at one point. Yeah, they were all going. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't uh, deal with astrology too much. because Trump became president and they were just retreating from <laughs> the skies? Or, no, Perhaps. sorry, I'm teasing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you know, for those who are not too familiar with astrology, the planets all represent different aspects of, mm-hmm. of the experience of life. I would say human, but it's not just human. Um, aspects of the psyche, aspects mm-hmm. of spirituality. And they're all moving around the sun. They are all moving forward. However, they're not moving forward at the same rates. And when a planet relative to Earth is moving such that it looks like it's going backwards, even though we know it's really not, since we are living on this planet, the energies that are represented by that said planet are also kind of going backwards, turning inwards, not working as well as they usually do. Hmm. Now, most people hear a lot about Mercury retrograde and that's because Mercury is the closest to the sun, and so its motion is faster. And so we're going to see that happen more often mm-hmm. than. Thank you. <laughs> and my daughter's not feeling good, so. Oh. I will probably not be able to go to lunch. Oh. 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 Thought she was taking exams. Yeah, she said I'm probably I'm gonna try and get it done early because she's like I'm feeling very bad. Oh, did you get your doctor's call? Or? No. Oh, no. I think she's just got a cold and she's then all this just, yeah. crap. In the yeah. Well, all the stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. So most often people think about retrograde planets by hearing about Mercury retrograde. Yes. And because it's so close to the sun and its motion is faster than all the other planets, we're going to see its kind of hiccup motion or the retrograde motion more often than we will with other planets. And and truly with Mercury, which represents communication, both written and spoken, also electronics, we can often see that during those periods of retrograde, things go a little bit nuts. Mm-hmm. Haywire. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> computers break down a little bit more. Technology goes nuts. You say one thing, yes. people hear the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's generally a hard time for people. However, if you were born during a time when Mercury was retrograde, the times in the sky where Mercury is retrograde are actually your times to shine hmm. because that's like your home base. Mm-hmm. Of course, that means that the rest of the time throughout the year it's like, why don't people understand? I mean, people who are born with Mercury retrograde often think uh, say things like, you know, the sky is blue. And somebody says, no, the sky is not green. It's like, I didn't even say that. What are you talking about? <laughs> what are you hearing? <laughs> but because of being born during a time when Mercury was kind of, kind of going screwy, <laughs> um, you can be perceived as a little screwy or a little different. What it makes <laughs> that might be me. Uh oh. <laughs> what it makes for is a perfect writer, because it turns the process of communication inward, which mm. is very much a writer's process as well. Yes. yes. The same can be said for any other planet. Right now, we're in Venus retrograde, and actually, thankfully, it's going out of retrograde. I think on Friday, and Venus represents love, friendship networking, you know, social experience in general. I can breathe easier. You can definitely (laughs) breathe easier because you are a Libra and ruled by (laughs) Venus. Um, And so during that time, what a lot of people have seen is exes coming Mm. back. Whether they have been (laughs) making an appearance in the physical or coming back into your consciousness a whole lot more, a lot of nostalgia about past relationships or past patterns in relationships. In relationships, yeah. 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 Friendships that may have gone away, springing back up. 
these things kind of whether you want back, them to or not exactly yeah. <laughs> these things turning up because the energy has turned backwards or inwards mm. you know yeah. you had mentioned saturn and i think maybe pluto as well the farther you get out the more the longer the length of time the planet is going to be retrograde it's going to be retrograde so right. it's not as impactful actually i hate that word impactful it does not mm-hmm. have as much of an impact necessarily mm-hmm. Um, in the way that you think of Mercury retrograde for Pluto to be mm-hmm. retrograde. It does have an impact, don't get me wrong, because every planet, no matter where it is, will have an impact in your chart. Mm-hmm. In the instance of Pluto, that is the planet of change, change and transformation. Mm. So wherever Pluto is hitting in your chart, that is, you, can, you can best believe that that is where you're experiencing change and transformation in your life. Now, if it were in your 10th house, which is the house of career, and all of a sudden you're you're feeling things are starting to change and then it goes retrograde, that means it's gonna spend more time in that tenth house. So that's the type of impact that it will have. But the actual energy of Pluto retrograde itself, I don't give it as much credence. Now, Saturn is a little bit closer in, and Saturn is a very interesting planet for retrograde because Saturn represents the fathering principle, responsibility, and structure. Lots of times when people are born with a Saturn retrograde like I am, um, they say that that often represents a non-present father, whether physically or emotionally. Mm-hmm. And as much as I loved my father, that was definitely my experience. Mm-hmm. But when it goes retrograde, the question that can be asked is, as far as authority and responsibility in your life, where are you cutting corners? Where are you not necessarily standing in the same amount of power and stability that you usually would? Mm, Or how can I turn that energy inward and get more structured in my own life internally so that I can bring more structure and responsibility to the world outside of me? Powerful. Yeah. Thank you so much. So, yeah, and so, yeah, I'm hearing, of course, your parent we all parent ourselves to some at some point and all the transitions we go through from healing from the things that might have happened from in childhood to acceptance and to really embracing who you are and yeah saturn um, retrograde is a perfect time to look at the fathering principle within you know do you need to father yourself where you weren't fathered before that's intense. Yeah, you. I like that. Thank you. Um, I wanted to go on to upcoming events. Yes. Um, because you have something that's coming up. Is it? I'm trying. The, so you're thinking about it. Okay. I don't have the exact date in my mind. It's, it's a weekend in January. What is it? The 11th, 12th, 13th. I don't have the calendar in front of me. So I'm trying to get in. So it's um, a current studies. Uh, Current Pagan Studies Conference that happens at Claremont Colleges, Ooh. and I am about to submit uh, a paper. Which, let me see, I, I have the title somewhere in my head. Uh, well, it's about it's about DNA testing. It's about purity in pagan practice and mm. racial bias. Ooh, yes, I want to go. Really yeah. fascinating. <laughs> so I didn't. Need it's to, a great conference. Yeah. For anybody it is. A, it is a great conference interested. where people in the academic world and in yes. the practitioner world come together and speak and pontificate about yes. about <laughs> different pagan practices. Give their papers yeah. and, and talks. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be doing good. some interviews of people of color in uh, different pagan practices and any experiences that they may have had that was were perceived to be influenced by race race and mm-hmm. you know questioning this idea of what is purity i would think that it would have something to do with the integrity of the spiritual practice itself of the actual act of practicing the spirituality but there are certain traditions that have been seen as a pagan home for white nationalism what? which mm-hmm. you know is I, I don't know if there is actually written in historical or religious texts that that's what it was meant to be. But you also see in this era where people are um, white nationalists and a few of them are doing DNA testing. They're finding out that they're not exactly what they thought they were. Of course not. <laughs> so, then the question, right, so then the question becomes, well, what is pure? What yeah, is so pure? What and, is that? and do I need to go through my, my DNA and say, okay, well, I'm... 27% from uh, Togo and Benin. Does that mean I need to pr- to practice um, voodoo, like because it originally started in Benin? Or <laughs> do I need to do that as 27% of my spiritual practice? Uh, do I need to be 22% Anglican? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Whatever do, you want to I be. I think that's is, getting, yeah, yeah. getting. <laughs> well, and it's yeah. to highlight kind of how ridiculous this idea of purity is anyway. Yeah. So that's, that's right. the main thing that I have coming up. You know, I, I kind of 
have kept my, my spirituality a little bit under wraps. You know, I do see clients, but I don't advertise it anymore. I'm not really out there so much. So I'm, I'm kind of focusing on getting into graduate school right now. And, <gasps> Great. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes. So that's how, a, what, where can people yeah. reach you if they want to check out when shoot, you're giving, sure. when shoot and me, if you're giving the talk or. Honestly, oh, well, just shoot me an email. sessions with you. Shoot me an email. Yeah, my right. email is Corey, spelled with an E-Y. Corey at CoreyRobertsAstrology.com. And don't go to the website because I'm not going to let you have access to it. (laughs) (laughs) Just shoot me an email personally and tell me what you're looking for, and we can talk about that all. Ooh, I may have to do that. That's wonderful. Do we have... uh, And um, as always, you can reach me at Inanamoon.com. Um, but I'm looking forward to, we talked about either a meditation or um, something um, that you might want to offer today. And you had something really beautiful. You know, I was thinking about it. And for some reason, the first thing that came to my mind was the prayer I say before eating. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, feel free to do with this as you will. We don't have any food in front of us right now. Well, that's but all right. I don't, <laughs> I rarely ever say it out loud. So I'll just go with it. Please. I'd like to give thanks for all the beings that came here to create this meal. May they heal and nourish us from top to bottom, left to right, front to back, side to side, mentally, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And a little side note here, this is for people who really want to go for it. Karmically, causally, astrally, magically, and in all other energy bodies. For this and all things, I pray in love and light. It is said. So may it be. Blessed be. Yes. <laughs> thank you. Um, so thank you so much for being with us oh. and looking forward for you to come back. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Paul, thank you. Um, thank you, Allison Warner. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, David Shostak, for your music. Um, thank you, all of you, for joining us in Cruising in the Light and Shadow. This has truly been a blessing today. Thank you. This is Inanna Moon. I'm Sheila Kichamari, reminding you that love is everywhere. Our lives touch everyone and everything. Please go forth in love. Om Shanti. Om Shanti.